1: Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and joining me as ever is Mr. Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, David. Oh, my God, what's happened to Marek? I can't keep that up. <laughs> you remember in your youth when uh, you could do crazy voices with your throat all the time, and now it, you can do them for about 20 seconds?
2: I remember having a burp gun where you used to burp to fire the... Well... What? Yeah, I call it a burp gun. It's basically you point your finger at something like yeah. you're shooting and yeah. you have to burp to shoot.
1: I could never burp on cue.
2: Well, you could do it about ten times and then you stop. Uh, make you stop feeling nauseous and make yourself sick. I can't do it. I've never
1: been able to. No Just, Justin done. Edwards is the master of burping on No cue. one's done it more
2: than... Um, you can't do it more than twelve times without dying. Is that right? That's your your bum explodes. From a build-up of... Uh... Your bomb explodes from your head. Oh, my God. Inwards and upwards. Yeah. <laughs> like it explodes, a volcano. Go, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, look, but replace That's the we with go. Hot, hot shit.
1: you better be good at counting if you're playing that game.
2: Yeah. Just go to 11 and stop. It's a bit like that thing of when you say... Um, what's his name in front of the mirror? Candyman. Pierce Morgan. Time. Don't say Candyman three times in front of the mirror. Don't do 11 burps. Or you do volcanic... Uh, Shit, volcano for
0: you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Wow, like scanners, but worse.
1: There we go—a film reference and Candyman. This is all about films, you, really. I it's not know. about horrible oh, disasters. Know. I've been to
2: a few film podcasts. And I don't know anyone, including us, who does film <laughs> podcasts, <laughs> Prick. All just referencing all these things. I'll just stop referencing something and make your own point. You're not doing it. You're not doing an English essay now. Yeah, yeah. It's what Used to ignore me about having to do essays. When I went to university, yes, I have been educated. I, I, And you realise you can't actually have any of your own opinions. You've got to just read some other twat's opinions and quote them.
1: That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: All your personal opinions are invalid unless someone's had them beforehand.
1: Correct. And you can uh, back up your statements by going, well, an important man thought something similar.
2: This man is much more intelligent than me because he has got a book in print... That is five times the price of a normal book because the print run is so minimal. Yeah,
1: if any book costs over £50, it means nobody wants to read it.
2: But you have to buy it in order to do this essay.
1: Yeah. My, uh, not to get onto this, but to get onto this, uh, my head of department at Edinburgh doing anthropology uh, with 250 students would just read out the next chapter of his book every week and set us an essay based on it. There were three copies in the library. So everyone had to go buy his book. He was so fucking boring. It was all about the history of anthropologists
2: and why they were all wrong except me. Um, Who's your favourite anthropologist? I don't know. Can't name any anymore. It all goes. All the memories go. Well,
1: it's useless knowledge. (laughs) All the memories go eventually. Yeah, we do. do. I used to be able to speak Spanish. Imagine that. I used to make, make a cup of tea. Yeah. Instead of just being covered in milk and porcelain.
2: Shattered porcelain. <laughs> <laughs> that man oh. forgets the matter. How would it
0: go
1: feel. again? Um, well, it's funny. Uh, you should be slagging off people just making endless references because I went to see T2 Train Spotting this week.
2: Why do they call it T2? Because it sounds
1: like Terminator Two. Well, that's people have criticised him for that. And Danny Boyle said he actually did contact James Cameron and say, "Do you mind?" because. Uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day isn't ever officially referred to as T2 it's just a fan name for it I think and I think it was partly just to be a bit interesting with the titling of something plus the T2 sounds like a train doesn't it I'm interject
2: and say that heavy breathing is not me it's Buddy breathing onto my coat but I'm worried that people would think that while you're talking it's me doing the (laughs) in the background Buddy who is for new listeners is a dog
1: yes Buddy, the heavy breathing dog. Um, yes, yeah, so I went to see. Twenty years on, uh, since nineteen ninety seven, Renton and the gang are back for more hijaps. A uh, bit, bit of a I,
2: risk, isn't it? This film.
1: Uh, what do you mean?
2: In terms of remaking a real cult a tot- classic, twenty years later, but a t- or totally of its time. Yeah.
1: Well, first things first. The story is about. Uh, Renton, twenty years on, um, and he has uh, put aside his addiction to heroin uh, and is now addicted to running. So he's just oh, swapped one God, addiction for another. Can't
2: think of anything more boring than people talking about running. Well, they
1: don't for much of it. But this—it's—it's it's a very contemporary addiction, fitness, you know. And uh, but he has a, a heart murmur, and that is the inciting incident for him to—he collapses on a treadmill at the beginning. And to go back to Edinburgh and to revisit his old life, where Spud is uh, off the heroin, but he's been on and off it ever since. Sick Boy is still there, or Simon, as he's now known, uh, blackmailing people, uh, using uh, his girlfriend as a lure and filming people doing uh, naughty things. And Begbie is in prison and has been for 20 years. And their story starts there and it goes off on what it is. And, you know, it it is uh, utterly pleasant uh, and fun to see Robert Carlyle playing Begbie again, to see Ewan Bremner, who is criminally underused in other things, to be playing Spud again, you know, to see Johnny Lee Miller and Ewan McGregor together. And, you know, they genuinely just look slightly jobbier, but exactly the same in the same regard. And the story the story is, by and large, fun hijinks with crime, uh leading to, you know, emotional betrayals and blah blah blah. So it's all right. I don't know and I still I've been mulling this over since I saw it, I still don't know why this film exists, except as a cash in. I'd like to believe more of everyone involved. There is no it felt like The Force Awakens.
2: Oh, really? Rather than
1: anything else. Because it was like,
2: look, it's the the
1: baby. Oh, he's about to be angry suddenly, isn't he? Oh, brilliant. Oh, look, it's Renton, and he's gone over the bonnet of a car again. Mm. Look, do you remember that bit where he went over the bonnet of a car? Oh, look, Spud's babbling to people in a room whilst they look slightly confused. Do you remember? Do you remember that in the original film? Not only did they do that, whenever they referenced something... Uh, the style is still very sort of music video and artfully done. It's like you know, it's it's the whole film feels almost like a montage, but they sl- splice in footage from the original Train Spotting so that you remember what they're referencing as well. They reference Renton going over the bonnet of a car four times in this film. They don't just do and they hey, eh? eh they do it four times. They reference the dirty toilet three times. They like, it's all it is is a nostalgia trip for people who were young in the 90s and enjoyed watching train spotting and it has nothing nothing to say about being middle-aged in uh, the 21st century Oh really absolutely nothing well, It's I thought just it starts off it would well be. it starts off well with you know as in he's now addicted to fitness and he, and he's sort of therefore culturally grown apart from the others but it's also superficial in terms of what it actually says about anything and it just turns into a indulgent revisiting of the past and it, it tries to have its cake and eat it by saying it's aware that that's all they're doing but it also doesn't have anything to add
2: do you think it's because it, these days it, it's you know the, the TV series uh, because of the, the we started off with um, twenty four, and you get to see. Now you get to see characters really progress over twelve episodes and several series, so you really get to know these characters. And with yeah. brain spotting, they're all such well, brilliantly defined characters. Well, I in disagree. The, in, the first, in the first, in the first film, I disagree. I oh. think
1: I think Spud is and Begbie is, and and Sick Boy, Sick Boy, slightly he's sort of a bit grumpy. He's Scotland's Vince Vaughan but. Um Renton actually is just pretty. That was his character. He was pretty and sort of the spirit of the age. And so Ewan McGregor, I think, is a brilliant actor like um, and underused as well. Like in The Impossible, he shows he's got chops. Like he can do this stuff. He can do the, the more difficult, nuanced, darker stuff. And Renton, I think, is laid bare as... In this, he's just the actor Ewan McGregor because there's not. It doesn't really. There's nothing really to him. Mm. And Sick Boy is a cartoon, and it's it, it. There's just it's something's not working here, and they end up having to go down some odd paths with the plot just to make it work. And by the end, I was cringing. Really? Yeah, genuinely. With the plot, they take Spud down, and where it's so. It's got that thing of when you're constantly aware of the first film rather than we're using the characters to make a new film that's relevant to now, it's simultaneously um, nostalgic and hugely self-congratulatory by going, hey, look at this thing that you all love that I made. Look at this thing. Do you remember that image that I created? Do you remember? Ah, It's just the constant... It depresses me that all... Middle-aged people are given in this age to uh, represent them is a nostalgic look backwards to better times. I think that's that's a really good point. It's never. There's it's, nothing for for you know. I I don't count myself as middle-aged yet, but certainly I was the age that thought Trainspotting was fucking cool, and you know it was part of my uh, the
2: culture when, I was when, part of. How old are you going to be to classify yourself as middle-aged? Uh, how old are you now? Forty. Your age, yeah my age middle age when one of the greatest experiences is waking up and realising you've got enough milk in the fridge for a coffee <laughs> yes yes I won today already oh uh, yeah
1: no Um. No, you know, you know what I mean like it felt it felt alienated from Scotland in that the people making this hadn't really been there in a long time and so it didn't have a lot to say there was sort of uh, references towards gentrification and blah blah blah, but no, it all felt a bit like a cartoon rather than actually true. And of course, the original Train was very heightened, but it was very youthful in how heightened it was. You know, with all of the the music and the running and the crime, and it's just like that is what youth sort of feels like. That this rebellion and this self discovery. I mean, when it
2: came out, there was a weird. It was a weird golden patch of Train Spotting Seven. Usual Suspects, yeah, yeah. Within about f- f- great it seemed, invention, it seemed in about within about a month or so. Yeah, sure incredibly it iconic, stylish, inventive. It was a Thai bit of cinema it was great. Where well, yeah. now it's just whereas this it, remakes. It, it
1: tries to embrace the fact it is um, a nostalgic look backwards and nothing more, whilst being a comment upon that being the current uh, what it's like to be middle aged. But it, I, in that regard. I think I'm being over generous. I don't think it succeeds. Like in the previous, in the first one, uh, the choose life, choose you know a car, choose luxury uh, underwear yeah, or whatever. Do the they Do they do that again in this? He actually does it on camera to a woman, but oh, with no. modern things of choose Twitter, choose slut shaming, oh, and choose, no. and it, it, and they almost justify why he'd say it, but it, it just, it, again, it. The fact they're referencing Trainspotting 1 is larger in the mix than what is actually happening to the characters here and What's now. the
2: soundtrack like? Because the Trainspotting soundtrack was amazing.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's a great soundtrack. And it's a very stylish film, you know. And it's if you don't care about any of these things, it will be a nostalgic trip for you. In terms of that, it works. It absolutely works. But for me, I, it's another one of those... Films of our time, which are what else have you got? What's new? What's the voice of the current generation? Like, you can't just keep rehashing old stuff. You know, it reminds me of what Alan Moore said that it is a cultural catastrophe that the culture of the generation of the 60s and 70s with uh, superhero comics has been repackaged and fed back to the, the current youth as their stuff when it has nothing to say about their stuff. You know, it, mm. it was commentary upon uh, gender relations and politics and international politics and, and everything of the time, and it's outdated now. It's had a sheen put on it, but it's meaningless to the current generation. Mm. And uh, this just feels part of the problem, <laughs> really. But if you want to revisit Spotting and see the characters 20 years on but still existing and being alive, if you want to go back to Irvin Welsh's world, then it's there for you to watch, you know. And I, there's fun bits. How many David? I'm. I've I've felt like I've been incredibly mean to it when I actually enjoyed it it was one of those, we've talked about it before at the time, you know, you sort of enjoy the ride there's a couple of moments when you feel bored you go, I am bored, to yourself in the middle, and then afterwards it niggles at you and you want to pick it apart because there's something irksome about this I think I'd give it six you know, some people will absolutely love it, no question the critics all spunking over it I'm a bit confused by mm. but um, I guess Danny Boyle is a sort of national treasure now as well so he's always going to have a bit more sheen to his reviews yes um, but no I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed being pissed off by it if <laughs> you know what I mean yeah I genuinely did I was like oh god right no it it was lots of bits and pieces everyone in it's very good the script has moments of goodness, but the story isn't, isn't particularly interesting. And I don't know why it exists. Maybe I don't know the point of any
2: of it. Maybe life isn't as interesting, so that's a fair reflection of well, it, Well, you know David. what, that's a
1: good point. And I, I thought this as well. What is an exciting vibrant story but a truthful story to tell about middle-aged Scottish people who used to be heroin addicts in their youth. What's the interesting managed story? managed to get you, a mortgage. Without making it utterly fictitious, which this is, what on earth is the interesting story to tell with those you've people? You managed to
2: get a m- more mortgage and you've had a really good bowel movement.
1: Well there you go. It's not it doesn't feel like the uh, spiritual sequel to Trainspotting, does
2: it? That's what happens to us all. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, anyway. Guess what? I think it's time for this. Um, some people right in, dead to dead to right 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 them out. Here's an email from Louis Chilton. Subject: Keep watching the films. Right, 100% correct. Dear David Merrick, I've been a fan of Film Fandango since episode one. Hero. After the departed Danielle Ward gave it a plug on the radio. She's not
1: dead. She's just uh, not doing the show. She, she's in Manchester right now.
2: I started listening to, listening about the same age I really began to get into film. I'm sorry, I'm reading it terribly as usual. And I found it an endless source of great tips. Oh, so you started listening to the film. Okay, I understand what he means now. Okay. E.g. World's Greatest Dad... Bad timing, and the recently, recently the shockingly brilliant Bone Tomahawk, as well as a sense of humour professional critics seem to lack. I don't always agree with your verdicts. I think Inside the and Davis is the best film in a decade, along with Inherent Vice. But Marek's fury, even when disagreeable, is perennially entertaining. i oh, p- entertain your p- p- perennial mate. No, it's not, it's not. That's not what it means. <laughs> it means you're also entertaining in winter. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I <laughs> I, also have film Fandango to thank for introducing me to several excellent comics. Danielle's shows have twice been fantastic and what must been my favourite uh, and early guest. What's wrong, buddy? But he's uh,
1: growling at the
2: arsehole dog next door who's just gone onto the balcony to grow- bark at the world. I'm glad this subplot came back in because it not happened for a while. It hasn't
1: happened for a while.
2: Do you keep on doing that because it adds some drama to the, it adds some drama to the um, letter, buddy? Um, uh, yeah, so you're talking about John Roberts delivered what was me his favourite comic set of all time. Huh. That's good. Anyway, apologies for long-winded, presumably unusable feedback, but I wanted <laughs> to offer my sincerest thanks for the show, which has been a part of my life for years now. It's oh, very kind of you. I'd also like to effusively recommend last year's The Assassin, a Taiwanese masterpiece, yes. as well as the forthcoming Prevenge, which I, which I was fortunate enough to see at the London Film Festival. Oh, cool. I think you'll give it a lot of Davies and Mareks. Uh, just because this is the, to be the only writing I'll ever get around to do, I thought I'd include a casting challenge. Which three marquee actors will be cast for the inevitable big-budget film fandango biopic to play Maric, uh, to David Marek and Danielle? Uh, lastly, I thought it would be worth pointing out that Marek's recent idea when discussing the excellent Victoria about a film shot on screen live has in fact been done very recently try googling Woody Harrelson's Lost in London I'm sorry we did it last week this email came through before last week's episode so
1: yes so uh, apologies should have been in last week's episode but uh, here we are
2: Um, keep watching the films Louis so if you want to hear about Listen to last week's episode where David talks about...
1: Well, three things there. The Assassin has been on my want-to-watch list for a while because quite a few people have uh, suggested it to me. Prevenge there was a trailer for with Trainspotting 2. And uh, it's Alice Lowe uh, being suitably weird and violent, as uh, is her want. Uh, She was previously in Sightseers. Um, It's also got uh, Camden Kong's player Gemma Whelan in it, so uh, I'll be going to see that. Um... Do you want to play the casting game now? Yeah, sure. Okay, who would play you?
2: I would do Danielle first. Okay, who
1: who are you thinking for Danielle? Feruza Bulk. Feruza Bulk. Yes, I, I can. She's not been in anything for a while. I know, she? but
2: when she was in
1: sort of a I du- I mean, she, uh, the question was specifically marquee actors. Do you think Feruza Balk's a marquee actor these days? I'm
2: trying to think who else you ever could do uh, Danielle. Uh, Acting speaking. <laughs> sure. Uh, you, who is your? Who would you cast? You? I mean, you it's probably do, weird it, me. It's things. weird, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Um. Oh, who? Who's got a Danielle style quality?
2: Flora Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who Flora
1: Benjamin? No, I mean, I mean. No one really. She's got a slight uh, Nottingham accent, which is very hard for actors to do, isn't it?
2: Indie actresses, you need indie sort of uh, slightly angry indie actresses. That's why I went for, for the
1: book. I think that's a. I think that's a good shout. You know, I think that's a good shout, or you know, a Christina Ricci.
2: Yeah, but I think Christina Ricci is quite. I don't know if she's right. Um. Let's uh, do. Who do you want to do next? You. Uh,
1: all right. Who would you cast as me? Uh,
2: Nigel Havers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: An incredibly old Nigel Havers. A young Nigel Havers. <laughs> uh, no, he's again marquee actors, and you know now the film's being made tomorrow to ride this wave of. Film Fandango I, popularity that we're I currently think on. Nigel
2: Havers should have been a big star after watching Chapter Five, but he never really yep. translated into it. So I'm just giving him another chance. A young Nigel Havers, another chance. Okay. I would do Nigel Havers, or
1: come on, if we, if we were going A-lister on this film. We've gotta we've gotta pick A listers for this, or it'll never do well at the box office. Okay, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage? I was gonna suggest him for you. Maybe he could put, play both of us As <laughs> yeah, both of us. You know, doing a um adaptation a bald, style thing.
2: A bald Peter Dinklage.
1: And a Peter Dinklage uh, with a dog. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'd be up for that. And then one of them
2: uh is is dating Farooseborg.
1: <laughs> that's a good film, yeah.
2: right? So we've that we that we've decided on that. That's it, that's it, done. Peter Linklage would play both of us. Yeah. Little, like when they, they have an actor playing, like what Tom Hardy did with the craze. I was just saying, like Adaptation, where Nicholas yeah. Cage plays them both. Ball Peter Linklage uh, uh, and hair Peter <laughs> As he's usually known. <laughs> and In Germany. York. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the poster of that. Oh, do I have to do that? <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Well, there we go. I hope that answered your question.
1: And uh, War Horse's buddy.
2: Yes. <laughs> I hope that answered your question. Yeah. This is from Jules Lawrence.
1: About musicals and stuff. Hi Marek, David and Buddy, regarding your musicals discussion, what about Cabaret? Great songs a worthwhile story in a far darker tone than one expects for a film of this sort. The scene with the angelic kid from the Hitler youth singing Tomorrow belongs to me at the Beer Hall is absolutely chilling. David, thanks for bringing the slow uh, thanks for bringing Slow West to my attention. Saw it on Netflix the other night and absolutely loved it. I assume, as you like this one, that you've seen Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man, one of my personal favourites and possessing of a quite similar dreamlike feel. Here's the discussion topic slash question for you. My 11-year-old son is keen on movies, but the fact is nothing older than about five five years ever seems to come... ...onto kids' radar. I've set myself a job of introducing him to the history of cinema in a hopefully non-pretentious way. John Huston's films, Moby Dick and the Man Who Would Be King, have both proved winners. Both absolutely 10 Jules classics anyway. A few old Errol Flynn, etc. swashbucklers, the odd old RKO horror, etc. Any further suggestions for our continued journey? Keep watching them, guys! And a big thanks for making my drive to or from work on Fridays bearable. Cheers, Jules. P.S. For Buddy, best dogs in movies. I put forward Frank from Men in Black and the dog from The Artist. Um, well, thank you for that.
2: Films um, eleven year olds would would like.
1: Um, I mean, I'd personally go for my personal uh, favourites from that era, which were um, Time Bandits, uh, Willow, and uh, Baron von Munchausen. Um, very strong Terry Gilliam.
2: But history of film, I mean, you a Hitch- but- Hitchcock-wise, you could watch The Birds. I think an eleven-year-old would really like that. That's just, that's you know one of a bit more action type. Sure. Hitchcock. Uh, what other films would be good for an eleven-year-old? Flash Gordon. Oh yeah. It's not really the history of film, though, is it? If you're trying to educate. Oh, I don't it? know.
1: I mean, '80s stuff. What about Big Trouble in Little China?
2: Yeah, these are all these are films that Lionel could watch. So ones are classical films that Lionel might enjoy and be educated on. I think Errol films. Flynn's
1: Robin Hood is a great shout from Jules. Yeah. Um oh, what else is there from way back when that I've seen and enjoyed? Don't watch um A Monster Calls.
2: Don't watch A Monster Calls <laughs> and maybe don't watch don't look now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that sort of answered it, isn't it? Sort
1: of. Um, yeah.
2: I bet people love it, half-answered questions anyway. They
1: absolutely do.
2: OK. Here's a, uh, an email from Short Film Sunday. Uh, Your Breakfast Club chat and the bit about Short Circuit made me wonder about other beloved films that aren't really PC anymore and how we cope with watching them. Back in my video store working days, we were partial to Holiday Inn, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, we're subjected to Christmas films ad nauseum. So with that, at least there was the 4th of July and Easter. Uh, but there's a big President's Day production and the bits about GW and the cherry tree are fine. But Lincoln Freeing the Slaves includes some bits that are not okay. minstrels and black faces, the word darky. Really not okay, even though the context is celebration of emancipation. So I still enjoy the singing and dancing, but I'm surprised to see it played in a local theatre this year. Just wondering if folk can think of others.
1: Well, I mean, there's a whole uh, bin of films, isn't there, of uh, white actors doing dark face that's just not really uh, comfortable anymore. Yeah. You know, they were they were of their time and we've moved on, thankfully, and so that should be fine. But for them just to be broadcast on telly normally is a bit weird. Like, um, uh, I mean, there's there's... Endless examples, but we saw one with Ed Petrie, didn't we? Not if the one after if, Do yeah. You remember what was yeah. it called? Um, I'm trying to remember what it was called.
2: We just call it the one after this
1: if. if one after if. Um, come on, we must remember. Mal- I'm looking through Malcolm McDowell's CV, and he's been in so many fucking films, uh, it's taking me forever.
2: Um, I'm, I was gonna let you try and find it. I'll fill in. Can you not nice... remember what it was called? Oh, I can't remember anything. I'll finish with this <laughs> nice tune. Okay. Oh, I like watching films. It's oh. <laughs> a new
1: jingle immediately.
2: No, don't. Cause if I sing it, anything, someone's going to put it in a bloody jingle. Yeah. In the meantime, I'll read a very quick... Uh, oh, a... Lucky Man. Oh, there we go. Oh,
1: Lucky Man, where Arthur Lowe plays the uh, president of an African nation. Really? Surrounded by actual black actors who could play it better. Really weird. Really, really weird. weird. Um, um, then there's uh, slightly odd ones like Alec Guinness playing um, playing a sheik in Lawrence of Arabia of course yeah and with modern HD prints you can see the the makeup line around his chin and stuff you know
2: very odd Uh, quick email Uh, Tyler Rundy said hi guys the wife and I watch Hunt for the Wilder People based on your suggestion we liked it quite a bit it's pretty rare to get a good comedy that's blends." In heart and story these days. A solid eight tiders. Keep up the good work and keep watching the films. Um, Okay. Well, talking about recommendations. Which you've been uh, sending in recommendations. I watched a film on Netflix. Yes. I was stuck for films to watch. And I picked out one. Which I read someone on Facebook said it was good. So I thought, you know, I was watching my girlfriend. Let's try watching Sing Street. Immediately, I mean, what do? You, if I said to you, "Sing Street," what do you think?
1: I know nothing about this film, but, but I would assume I, it was. All a, I knew from it was the I would assume it was a sort of heartwarming musical about a working class street in Britain. And what sort of feel to it? Um, it would be slightly. Uh, dark but with the edges cut off at times but mostly just sort of uplifting so a bit like Pride.
2: Yeah, I thought it would be from the title like Glee. Yeah. An English version of Glee and a real sort of musical for people who like musicals so... I had no interest in this film. (laughs) And yet you watched it? Purely on the title. Right. And I thought, you know, I'd take a gamble on it because someone I trusted on Facebook who's recommended me good books before said it was really good. So I thought, just purely on that. And I said to... And my girlfriend was reluctant to watch it because of the title Sing Street. No one I know has watched Sing Street purely because people go, it sounds like a terrible musical. It's the worst titled film, I think,
1: Oh no! Spring it, no, in, is in, the worst in, title in ter- film. In
2: terms of what it is, it's is misleading. Yeah, because no one. Well, let's play this game. Um, we'll we'll get back
1: on to it. The film Spring. What do you think that's about? Um, well, happy flowers coming out. Right. If I told you it was a Trump, uh, incredibly dark romance um, about a. Immortal Vampire,
2: would you be surprised? No. Has it got any trampolines in it? No, no whatsoever. Trampoline Breaks. It's a fucking terrible title. It's a great film. It's weird you have to have some... The title said so much. I think Sing Street put so many people off this film. This is a musical. It is... It is a coming-age of film about this boy... Uh, he has to move schools in Ireland. Right. And he joins a different school and his uh, parents are going through uh, a diff- tricky relationship he lives in that big house with his brother and sister his brother's a dropout who's really into music who's trying to educate him on right. music and he decides to form a band this film is absolutely brilliant it, I was so shocked when you start watching a film and you think and it does, so you, start, you start to think oh this is all right When it does something, you think, oh, shh, this is, could it be really good? You know, you really think, is it really this good? It is this good. My, here's my controversial opinion. I've watched it a a, a few days ago, so it's a time to sink in. I think it's a better, possibly, it's not, it's up there with La La Land. I think it's absolutely incredible musical. The main character is this sort of kid, so and it's set in the eighties. Uh, right. So he is almost discovering music. Have you just watched The
1: Commitments?
2: Now it's <laughs> now it's similar to people likened it to Commitments. Right. I don't think it's that much like the okay. Commitments at all. It's sort of very Irish, but it's just definitely that sort of. It feels Grange Hill sort of crossed in, uh, crossed with a musical without the sort of grubbiness of Grange Hill, but with more charm. The support the main cast. Member, I think he's sort of. I don't especially rate him, but it's a thing where you've got the lead, is almost a bit charismatist, so it allows all the other characters to come through. For example, the his love interest is played um, uh, by Lucy Boynton, who looks very much like a Felicity Jones' character. Okay, uh, the guy who plays his brother called Jack Raynor is absolutely brilliant as this sort of uh,
1: I recognise him
2: he's uh, really I think he's going to be a big star
1: I was in Macbeth and Free Fire I've seen him in publicity shots for Free Fire oh yeah he's been in a lot of high profile things recently he plays a sort
2: of nicer version of the comic book guy in The Simpsons that sort of geeky guy Uh, Aidan Gillen plays his dad and um, I think Marie Kennedy he was in the I think she was in plays his his mum it's just utterly charming, and the music is really, really good. All the songs are good, and it's never... It's a bit like La, La Land. It's never a musical. The songs are just there, so they, they're they like filming an 80s yeah, video yeah. for the band, and you have a song, and they're all performances, and they're just part of the story. It's never breaking into song as a separate song. Um, I was utterly charmed by this, and I think it should have been up there for... Uh, if you want to watch a feel-good film in January, we've already talked about Hunt for the World of People yeah. being good. La La Land's another feel-good film. This is a real gem on Netflix. And I think it's got a lot of popularity, cult popularity, but no one I know in their 30s and 40s is watching it because you think it's just a film for children. And when it's not, it's a film for people who grew up in the 80s. And I, I, it's quite applicable to me because I'm sort of 40, so... I understand Mm. all these references are things that I really understand but it's just the small touches that all the kids are smoking in the in their in the smoking is really really cool All, all the the wardrobe and the art direction is absolutely absolutely brilliant so he goes through different phases like when he likes The Cure and they all dress like The Cure and they all it's sort of, a, it's sort of a, a, uh, maybe a love letter to yeah. music of the 80s which I think I, I, which I love
1: you can tell and it's a hard thing to put your finger on isn't it when a film is in love with its subject matter yeah. like, I would say uh, something I didn't mention about Train Spotting 2 or sorry 2-2 Trainspotting is that uh, Danny Boyle is still in love with Edinburgh like yeah. it is a love song to Edinburgh, not that it's, it gets beneath the surface of Edinburgh, it's all you know the beautiful buildings and the scenery and the hills and all of that, um, but it yeah, it's an odd thing isn't it, and you can tell also when films just, they've just set it there and they know nothing about it and they don't yeah. really care and there's nothing, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was always this, I think the directors, it's all, it feels like it's a bit autobiographical, although he said it wasn't, I think it's not his story, but it's a story of, someone growing up, changing schools, going to a different school. Yeah. It's got all the classic things, of, you know, the school bully, love interest, but it's all done brilliantly. And the supporting cast around the lead are all excellent. I found it a real nostalgia trip and I really enjoyed it. And it, it a big recommendation, don't be put off it's called Sing Street because that's the name of the school was on. Right. It was on Sing Street spelled S Y N G, but they called it Sing Street. It's the worst title for the film. I think it's put so many people off. Odd that, isn't it? Marketing. I was really reluctant to watch it because I thought, oh no, it's got kids singing, which is not my thing. But and this a, is the
1: thing: uh, the title is always part of the marketing, rather than the authorship of the script or the film by the director. You know, it's it's and it can scupper things. Yeah, so much.
2: But I'd love to hear what you think of Sing Street. And the day after. I looked up to see who recommenda- re- recommended it.. Yeah. And it was recommended by Conor Lavelle back in, on the 4th of April, but oh, oddly, the day after, he sent me an email recommending it again. <laughs> saying he heard we're looking for recommendations.: Insistence. Um, Connor has paid off. And I, I should also read uh, his other recommendations. Um, so uh, here are his recommendations for great recent Irish films. Um, so he's included more a couple more so Patrick's Day which had its Ar- Irish TV premiere over Christmas and sent Twitter into overdrive very powerful stuff Sing Street which was nominated for a Golden G- Globe um, last time around apparently Com- Commodore Mayo raved about it who cares about them His and Hers uh, I wouldn't compare it to Dear Zachary but it's own way his documentary is just as affecting and very memorable and What Richard Did so there are his four recommendations which watch one of them uh and I can pass that on as a very high recommendation for a Netflix pick for a happy uplifting film. It's really this is me being David this is me being happy. It is. This
1: is what it feels like.
2: David
1: You must watch Sin Street every day.
2: I don't know, it's all new <laughs>
1: Well, we're going to end the podcast quickly so that Marek can go out into the world. I'll and give it nine merits. Nine merits. Um, well, thank you everyone for your recommendations. We will continue down your list and please keep adding to it. Um, you can go to filmfandango.com and suggest films from there um, and also tell us anything about films you like, films you dislike, things you'd like us to talk about. Also, we do all of this for free. So if you would like to donate towards the podcast, which has been going for... I worked out. Too long. Over seven years. What? We started in October 2011. So it's, it's no, six, big. It's, we're in our seventh year.
2: October 2011?
1: No. According six, to Wikipedia. Six, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17.
2: It will be seventh. Seven,
1: we're in our seventh year. That's what I'm saying.
2: Oh, as in terms of year itself. Yeah, yeah. Of, the date, the numbers. Sure. You get what I'm
1: saying, right? You're talking about the numbers. When you say in your seventh year, that's what that means, right? The numbers. (laughs) The numbers. We'll be back next week. Keep Keep watching watching the films.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.